This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know, it's a big decision right here off the top with this new enhanced touchback rule on the kickoff do I start this podcast by just you know electing for a fair catch and just take my field position at the 25 or maybe do I risk a more creative intro to this podcast Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation in anticipation of a game breaker of some sort or maybe getting out near midfield you know this is all part of the decision making process you know, I mean as we kind of hash things out in, in the off season here Danny I mean you know I don't know how much I really want to risk or gamble to start off a podcast when it comes to a fair catch especially if you're going to squib kick one in the corner and then I won't even be able to fair catch it these are all things that I'm trying to contemplate that's a lot going on off the top, Paul. I was thinking to myself, he went a long way for that. Yeah. So I knew it. I knew uh, somehow, somehow they they throw a scud in there. Somehow, you know, they 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 sort of skirt the rule. I know it can't be easy. There's got to be something in there. But ultimately, you're right. I'm guilty of overthinking things here to start off Cardinals. Actually, it reminded me a little bit as I was listening to the I Am Athlete podcast this week with DeAndre Hopkins, and. Uh, DeAndre was about 10 minutes late when he was supposed to be on. Okay, that's oh. like, let's go. Let's let's okay. let's move this along. And then when he finally gets on, Brandon Marshall, the former uh, All Pro wide receiver who is the host of this podcast, went on what felt like a 15 minute intro to DeAndre Hopkins as he was sitting right there. I'm sure it wasn't that long, but. Uh, oh my God, it was excruciating. I'm like, just get to the interview already. So it wasn't exactly conversational is what you're saying. Not not off the top. It I got see. there. Right. Yeah. But not off the top. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not that I was making any kind of comparison to you, Paul. Yeah. yeah. I, I was always kind of curious, though, like, you know, D-Hop made a concerted point of saying that he's not about ego, but it was quite a bit about D-Hop's wants and needs, wasn't it? <laughs> or, or did Brandon yeah. Marshall lead him down that road? I mean. Because I only read the quotes. I will be honest. It. it it was kind of funny to hear Hop say he's got no ego. They they've all got egos. That's oh, why yeah. they're in the locker room. Not just Hop, they all do. How many times did Cliff Kingsbury say, jokingly or otherwise, that Hop wanted the football? I mean, I mean, some of the, the funny part for me with a lot of it was, and a lot of people have heard <laughs> the conversation of, okay, what 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 does DeAndre Hopkins? Brandon Marshall's like, okay, we're gonna drill down to the. What does DeAndre Hopkins want in his team? Well, he wants stability in the front office. He wants a quarterback that loves the game and that is able to uh, bring all his teammates along with him. And then he wants a great defense. And then uh, I think it was the co-host saying, okay. And then he's like, and then he proceeded to say, like, Monty seems like he's doing a good job here. And we've got a great defense because of Buddha and Isaiah, although they cut him off there. 
And then, and then, oh, then the co-host was like, uh, so you don't have the quarterback? And he goes, no, no. And so he went on to like explain like he's, I guess, thinks he has all those things. Well, not quite. When he was talking about the quarterback. Well, that's true. He did say, yes, that, but Kyler's injured and Colt. And then he caught himself when talking about the rest of the quarterbacks there. Yeah, in that he started, he trailed off. I mean. That's where he needed Brandon Marshall to go off on a 15-minute rant right there. That's when he needed him, Here's when he thing. started to trail off. When you do these interviews, if you're DeAndre Hopkins, if you're going to go talk to somebody for five minutes, you can do that. When you start having a 20- or 30-minute interview, it's going to be real hard to jump around without having it come across kind of like how it came across. So was there anything definitive? Did we come to any conclusions? Is there anything in the near future about his future with the Cardinals or another team? Did we resolve anything, I guess, is what I'm saying, Danny? No. It's the same back and forth <laughs> that we've been having for months on social media gotcha. with him. Right. I, I don't have a problem if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't want to be a Cardinal. I don't. I don't have a problem if, if he's seeking a trade, which is with the without really saying those words verbatim is what he's been saying since the start of the offseason, posting a cryptic social media post thanking Cardinals fans, basically sending those either on his team or close to him on some sort of media tour, going on different outlets, flat out naming teams and quarterbacks he wants to play for, Hop posting on his own social channels asking, where do you want to see me play this year? And then when he doesn't get traded, and after the draft, he posts a video of him working out in Phoenix with the geotag on this post in Phoenix and says, who said I wanted to leave? But then backtracks to said post and said, I was talking about Phoenix, not necessarily the Cardinals. And I just can't keep up. And now you find yourself, like on this podcast, the I Am Athlete podcast, where you have to stop yourself from essentially bad-mouthing your quarterbacks and he's not wrong that he doesn't have Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks in that room behind Kyler Murray. That That's not wrong. But if there's a chance you're going to be a Cardinal, you are now finding yourself in some very muddy waters where you are not saying good things about your organization or about whoever will be throwing you the ball. And that is where I start to have frustrations with all this. You're allowed to feel how you want. But then to go out and act like you're not asking for a trade or you want to be here and you don't want to be here is just frustrating. Exhausting. And ultimately, if you don't want to be in Arizona, are you compromising the leverage of the Arizona Cardinals front office to deal you? Because they're going to have to get fair value, equitable value. But if other teams think it's inevitable you're going to leave, and or eventually just be cut, then maybe they're going to wait it out instead of making a move. So that's a little bit confounding to me if you're team hop. And then why all the media is, is his new agent saying, you know what, out of sight, out of mind, better make sure you get back in the headlines. And teams, you know, they remember that you're still possibly out there and in play. You know, Wolf and I had a discussion as radio show this week. You said, okay, if you get around to training camp and, push comes to shove and if teams are waiting it out and thinking that inevitably the Cardinals are just going to cut hop either based on salary or it's not a great fit considering where he is in his career and his age and where the Cardinals are especially with the unknown being Kyler Murray and his return and if he's not part of the OTAs and doesn't necessarily know 
the system and the verbiage, et cetera, he's behind the learning curve, then maybe the Cardinals pull what the Raiders did a couple of years ago with Rodney Hudson. And they make it known that he's going to be cut. And then somebody steps in who really does have a desire to add Hop to the roster and makes the Cardinals that final trade offer instead of him hitting in the open market so that team making the trade doesn't have any competition. Possible. The, the, the issue that's going to be with DeAndre Hopkins is, is, is there any team that would want to trade for him at his current contract? I think part of the problem, part of the reason he might not have been dealt so far is because of his contract. Which, 19 million base yeah, this year. Which, which is not going to change if you do what you're just talking about doing. You're talking about taking on his, his contract. So, I, I don't know. I, it, this really has been an interesting turn of events, and I guess we'll see. I mean, the, the next – the next step right now is mandatory minicamp. We're three weeks out from that. June 13th uh, is the day that guys have to be on the field for mandatory minicamp. Is Buda Baker here? Is DeAndre Hopkins here? Uh, that's that's going to be the next big thing. And as we've talked about before, you know, I mean, Chandler Jones didn't have to come to mandatory minicamp uh, his last year. Um Rodney Hudson was supposed to and then didn't, and then Cliff Kingsbury made it known that he was unexcused. So these things can be talked Good. about. It, we, we, we have gotten the sense from Jonathan Gannon that there is ongoing conversations with DeAndre Hopkins and Buda Baker, for that matter. And so you would think that with that kind of communication, some of this is going to be open. And would I be surprised if either or both of them are excused from mandatory minicamp just to avoid whatever? I would not be shocked. By the way, the next um, podcast that, quote, drills deep into the D-Hop situation, ask him about his contract wants and needs. That is seemingly the key here. Didn't he at one point say he's not looking? He claimed, right, that he said he wasn't looking for a new contract? Or am I making that up? Didn't I, he say that I, at I one point throughout like, the last yeah, couple so, months? Yeah. I, I feel mean, like he – didn't he tweet that and then deleted it? Or, so, or maybe replied, stuff? replied to but, someone on Twitter? I don't the, know. But the problem is, is I think at this point – Nobody, I mean, he may not be looking for a new contract to upgrade it, but if all these teams that want to trade for him want to have him take a pay cut to bring him on, is he willing to do See, that's the other thing is how badly does he want to move on? I think that would probably depend on the team. I also see this as either through training camp or the first few weeks of the season before the trade deadline is unfortunately waiting for somebody to have an injury to a major receiver for a team. Yeah. Like I, at this point, that that's what I see is teams aren't going to bite if the Cardinals aren't going to cut him unless you become desperate and you are one receiver away. Or you're New York Giants and you're thinking you you got to steal in the draft and Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee in round three and then you bring him into camp. You're like, oh, wait a minute. This kid isn't going to be plug and play like, like we thought. Like a Traylon Burks. Yes, exactly. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, right, yeah, Traylon Burks would have been the replacer, A.J. Brown, but not so much. And then you saw how that just unraveled and helped take down the Titans season. Speaking of Tennessee, great segue, Danny. Oh, I didn't even do that on purpose. Fist bump, Darren. Because Thank you. if you're talking about Buda Baker, do you happen to see this? Remember a couple of months ago, we likened Buda Baker's situation to Kevin Byer, their Pro Bowl safety, yep. who makes almost exactly the same amount of money, 13.5 to $14 million per year. Okay. Well, it, <laughs> there's two aspects of this story that are hilarious. Number one, just to show you how voluntary these voluntary OTAs are, Mike Vrabel ran into Kevin Byer at the golf club on Sunday. 
but Byard isn't showing up to the Tennessee Titans OTA practices this week. So the head coach was able to talk to his Pro Bowl safety on the golf course, but then he's elected not to show up. Well, what came out in the media is that the Titans GM, Rand Carthon, confirmed that the Titans asked Byard to take a pay cut, and he declined. And he was he's due 13.6 this year. So now there's some question as to whether he will just flat be cut at some point because if he's post-June 1st, it saves him $14 million plus and et cetera, et cetera, and the whole caponomics of Tennessee, which we don't really care about that. What we do care about is maybe whether it has an application to Buda Baker and whether it helps set a market or a precedent of sorts because the thinking has been that a Buda Baker and a Kevin Byer, they want to be compensated near a Derwin James level, which is more like 17 a year. Okay. I guess I'm a little is is Byard looking for a new contract or is he just saying I don't want a pay cut? I haven't heard anything about any new contract. See, that's what demands. I'm thinking. What like, I'm saying is I don't is, blame him for not wanting to take a pay cut. You, I don't either. What, what I'm saying is 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 this is evidence of how Tennessee values him apparently. So maybe. Explain this for me because the cap, and I'm sure many listeners probably feel the same way, gets very confusing because it kind of feels like it's really not you can that do, confusing though. Well, Sometimes it feels that way. If he were to, if Darren's were, been parsing through the camp for twenty, uh, the cap for twenty on, years, Darren, though. Yeah, if he were to take a pay cut, right? And you're, couldn't they just give him the bonus and another whatever he's cutting per se well, in another way, and he's not really losing money? But see, that's the thing is that's not a pay cut. That's a restructuring, and a restructuring is different than a pay cut. And that's where I think the verbiage does get people confused. Thank you. So. Here's the deal. If if a player is asked to take less money, they're taking a pay cut. It's not a restructuring. I've heard many people say, well, they asked this guy to restructure. No, no, no. Restructuring is essentially, I, I'm i supposed to make $10 million this year. We're going to make your salary $1 million this year. We're going to move the other $9 million to a signing bonus, spread that out over the length of what's left of the contract for salary cap purposes to lower your number every year. That's a restructure. If you just tell somebody they're taking less money, that's a pay cut. Now, that directly helps your current cap without hurting your future cap. And, and that's that's essentially what we're doing. If you're talking about Buda Baker, he's already on the hook. I, I don't know what his number is. Let's say it's $13 million this year for a salary. It's close. Um, he's going to – and I, I don't know if he's – I think he's got some signing bonus. So let's say his cap number is like $15 million right now uh, for $2 million of prorated signing bonus and then the $13 million salary. Well, if you give him a, a new deal with more guaranteed money, you, you probably could lower that $15 million cap hit this year, but you are going to increase his cap hit down the road and perhaps even beyond when he's under contract, which is like what the Cardinals are doing right now. They're paying dead money on J.J. Watt right now, even though he is yeah. no longer in the contract. They did that with Larry Fitzgerald. Um, they were paying cap money towards Larry Fitzgerald long after he was done. So... Um, that's that's where the the caponomics kind of get into it, but the pay cut is essentially when you start talking about pay cuts, you're 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 saying kind of what Paul's saying, which is we think what you're giving us is not worth what we're paying you, essentially, even though you're under contract for that money. Now it's it's up to him to to say no, and then and then the ball's back in the Titans' court. We either can pay him the thirteen million he's owed, or we can cut him. And it's probably not a guaranteed salary at this point, which would mean you're saving that $13 million, but you also don't have the player and he can go wherever he wants, which is what would happen 
with Hopkins if you did that. Like, okay, you're saving, I mean, I know there's dead money with Hopkins, but you'd be saving that $19 million salary or whatever it would be this year um, if you cut him. But again, you don't get anything for him. You're just straight moving on, and he could be an asset where you could get something out of him. Including a comp pick. You cut a player, you're not getting a comp pick. Right, but again, comp picks, the only way you get a comp pick is if a guy plays out his the entirety of his contract. And then leaves via free agency. And leaves via free agency. Got it. Okay. All right. So you're talking with Buddha and DeAndre Hopkins, who both have two years left on their deal. We're far away from thinking about comp picks. So those are the two guys who are not at OTAs. <laughs> Let's talk about everyone else who was in attendance, including the quarterback, Danny, who was watching, but Kyler Murray was out there. I liked seeing Kyler Murray out there. I thought that that was great. He was out there in his you know, workout attire, a sleeve on his right leg, obviously was not participating, but was watching some drills. Head coach Jonathan Gannon said Kyler was doing the mental reps with the team, which is good. And and that answers the question we all had at the beginning of the offseason, which at least to myself, I'm a little surprised in a good way that Kyler Murray has been doing his rehab out here in Arizona and has been getting comfortable and familiar with this new coaching staff, with his new teammates and what seems like stepping up as a leader and, and helping build that camaraderie and that chemistry, even though he's not able to throw the ball. So it was nice to see him out there. He's been smiling. Seems like he's been in a good mood. He's been working hard on his rehab. So it was nice to see him out there. Colt McCoy was throwing the football, which was the go. first that we had seen. So that was a nice sight as well. That's a small W in a May, right? You, you get a win for that. Colt McCoy well, throwing the ball again. Especially since ESPN had just put out an article saying Colt McCoy might not be ready for the start of the regular season. Oh, and then no. all of a sudden Colt McCoy's throwing the football. Well, yeah. I did not see that. Well, okay. they wow. again, it was one of those. A little presumptuous there, huh? And that's the thing is. I don't know. I, I think some of this stuff well, needs to be looked yeah. at very carefully yeah. in the offseason of how teams look at or how national outlets are talking about teams. If I was David Blau or I was I was Jeff Driscoll, I would walk up to Kyla Murray and say, you'll never know this, but this is your one taste of what it's like to be a third or fourth string quarterback in the NFL. As a guy who's a starter from day one, this is how a third or fourth stringer during the season has to sit there and get only mental reps. You get no physical reps usually whatsoever during the course of a practice week. So Kyler Murray got a little taste of that, a little dose of that. How is there any speculation, if you talk to anyone, do you have a gut feeling as to how prepared Kyler Murray can truly be if this is the case, if he's really just going to be more of a spectator, front row, and probably wearing an earpiece throughout training camp, Let's just say he's not on the field, at least at the start of training camp. How ready could he be? How soon if he's not actually taking reps, especially in a brand-new offense, a brand-new scheme? Kyler Murray is a very smart player. He wouldn't have gotten to where he is now if he weren't smart and it were, were strictly based off natural talent. So while I can't sit here and say, oh, if he's physically ready by week two but needs until week four mentally, like I, I can't obviously know that specifics but I would think that it would be almost immediate or very quickly after I, I don't have a doubt that Kyler Murray would not be prepared and I think it's because there's a new coaching staff and because there was so much talk about him and the homework clause last year and and I think he probably feels like he has a lot to prove um, we felt that way the start of last season coming off that playoff loss in LA to the Rams I think that how competitive Kyler is and his desire to go out there and be successful and play at a high level 
I wouldn't have a doubt that mentally he won't be doing what he needs to be doing to make sure he is caught up with this new staff and this new scheme and, and to be ready when he can physically. Didn't Jonathan Gannon recently tell the little anecdote from the team meeting where he called on Kyler by design, yes. put him on the spot, Yes. wanted to know if he knew what the play or the answer was to whatever said question that was posed? And 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 then he sort of glanced at some of the teammates. Maybe he uh, wondered if he knew, and Kyler did. He nailed the answer. That, that's the thing about some of this stuff, especially in the off season. I mean, I, I understand reps getting physical reps are good, and especially when you're talking about wanting to eventually get your your knee back into playing condition. But like, he's at the meetings. He's he is immersed in this playbook. It's not like because he can't practice, he's totally trailing behind and you could make the argument that he's further ahead in this offense than mm-hmm. maybe DeAndre Hopkins I don't know that like it was funny Buda Baker like we said hadn't been here but Jonathan Gannon made a comment about him uh, being talking to them about tape and stuff so it sounds like Buda Baker is still involved in term, terms of talking to the coaches he's just not here um, I, I think I think Kyler has the ability to to figure out a lot of this stuff like for me being on the field would be more about like, okay, what are they going to do with him? Let's say behind center and that kind of stuff, stuff that we've talked about a million times and like, okay, uh, you would want him to get more comfortable if he's going to do more of that. Although it is interesting that every time Jonathan Gannon gets brought up about any of the quarterbacks, we're going to do what the quarterback is most comfortable with. And maybe what is the quarterback is most comfortable with. If you're Colt McCoy is different than Clayton tune is different than Kyler Murray. All right. So Danny, I'm going to run this past you, okay? Does she have to better paycheck? I'm going to run this past you, Danny, because um, you know you had your question scrutinized by the head coach at a press conference. I'm wondering if I pose the <laughs> following question. If I ask Jonathan Gannon, hey, uh, it's uh, Paulie Pencilneck over here. Coach, um, my question, whatever happened to VR, virtual reality, whatever happened to the virtual reality goggles and the whole deal – that 2014 and 15 Carson Palmer was, was fond Carson. of using. Like, whatever happened to that? And wouldn't that be great for any quarterback that who's w- rehabbing a knee injury? That ran away when Josh Rosen showed up. <laughs> Wait, what? That's, yeah, that was gone by yeah, the time. Really? Yeah, I don't think Josh was using that stuff. I think mm-hmm. once Car- I think Carson really liked it. Yeah. And then once Carson left it. But wouldn't that be great for, like, a quarterback who could, who's rehabbing a knee injury could literally just sort of sit there in the chair and VR takes you into the pocket of an NFL game behind an offensive line with a pursuing defensive rush. With with all... You're looking at the passing lanes, Darren, and you're deciding, and boom, that's how you get your reps. I'm, I'm just going to say out loud real quick, I, I think we need to be very careful when we talk about Kyler Murray I was any just going to say, video game. are you asking Kyler Murray to play a video game? <laughs> I didn't think about that. Oh, boy. Come See, on, you got you to gotta think big picture here. That's why I vet out these questions right here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, because then, boom, all of a sudden, you're right. It ends up uh, going viral, and some you know idiotic Arizona reporter asked an even worse question. Yeah, yeah. maybe don't ask that one to the yeah, head okay. coach. All right. That's good. Okay, that's good. Uh, it's, uh, you well, know, moving on. I avoided potential disasters. So, speaking of the rookie, we got to stir it up over here. I, I told you right now, I'm going to stir up the backup quarterback controversy in, in August. So what do we know about Clayton Toon? What did we see out there, the fifth-round rookie? I was in here carrying Wolf's Keister over the course of the media viewing for the OTA this week. Is there anything you can tell me, do tell, about Clayton Toon? Did he do anything that of note whatsoever? <laughs> 
Darn it! I should have. All right, so I should have edited out that question too. I'm 0 for two right now. It was just it was limited in what we were. I feel like really able to see. Yeah, you got to remember, Paul. We we only are allowed to report on the first 20 minutes, and then after that, look. But but on the I am athlete podcast, when Hop was talking about the things he's looking for, um, and a team, and talking about the quarterbacks, he did say he has heard good things about the rookie that the Cardinals drafted out of Houston, which is Clayton Tune. I'll mark that down as a ding right over here. Okay, I'm I got that. I'm uh, keeping my list, checking it twice. So let's see things that we did see. Zayvon Collins. Still at outside linebacker. Still outside linebacker. In fact, uh, he told Wolf on his radio show earlier today, as of this recording, that you know what, um, he's all about the edge. If that's where the Cardinals want him, he said it feels like it frees him up mentally. That last year, you know, when he's calling the defense, obviously there's a lot to think about. Talked about that this on the Red Sea Report with Kyle Vandenbosch that you know maybe it frees him up athletically. Not unlike what it did for Hassan Reddick. You're sitting there at inside linebacker, and there's a lot to consider. There's a lot coming at you. And, and, and there's a lot of stuff a de- an offense does purposely to confuse the inside linebackers and make them a step slow. You go to the edge, there's a, far less to process. I said, you know, Kyle, I don't want to minimize or you know diminish your, the position you played and the mental capacity it takes as an edge rusher. Um, and, and, you know, cause I got to make sure, I mean, Vandenbosch still stays in shape. I'm not, you know, not only, oh, he'd kick your ass. not only would he kick my rear, but I don't think I could outrun him either. Despite like three knee injuries. So that's how good a shape he keeps in. Cause usually I count on the fact that Pauly Pencil and I can outrun some of these guys at this point in their, their lives. And, and so I look, I think there's something to that. That is Avon Collins who has all the size, all the explosive athletic ability. If you stick him out there and you reduce his job description, does that end up with a Hassan Reddick type result? And and guess what? This coaching staff just had Hassan Reddick in Philadelphia coming off a stellar season. So you can't tell me they don't see similarities. It's very possible. Uh, and it's funny you bring that up because I think when you talk about B.J. Ojolari, the, the rookie, that's another guy who I think it kind of mimics in terms of play style and body type. Hassan I've heard Reddick. that. Several people have said that. Ojolari said it himself. Oh. So I, I think I think that's absolutely something to point to as a possibility. I think it, it, it is going to be fascinating if on defense we line up uh, and we see these Cardinals uh, in week one and Zayvon Collins is playing edge slash outside linebacker and, and Isaiah Simmons is playing strictly safety and we're talking about these two guys who you brought in as inside linebackers and you're still essentially playing a 3-4 defense and neither one of them are playing the position for which you drafted them. And your starting inside linebackers are Kaiser White and Josh Woods, which could be absolute. And look, a Kaiser White, Danny, we've talked about this. I mean, he knows the Eagles' defense, the Jonathan Gannon defense cold. And, and there's a reason he's, I think, the only free agent who got serious money right is he not the only free agent who got a significant contract and uh, more or less yeah and, i wouldn't even necessarily say it was significant but it was more than yeah, right more of a commitment yeah. than anyone else and i'm guessing that's because they probably have designs of making him the quarterback of the defense right and at monday's otas he was getting some one-on-one reps with linebackers coach sam Sifkis. so I, I i do think that's what's going to happen is kaiser white will probably call the defense and when gana was asked about that monday he didn't say that, but said that that is a discussion that the coaching staff has every day. 
And to me, if you're going to play Zavin, not even just on the edge, but if you're going to have him be flexible and moving around, I don't think I'd want him calling the defense if that were the case, even if he's not just on the edge and he is still playing a little bit inside because what you were saying, Paul, there's so much going on mentally that to then have to assess the whole defense and have to communicate all of that and with what you're getting from your DC on the sideline, that's that's a lot going on. Um, I wonder if that's was the case when Isaiah Simmons was originally had the green dot at the start of last season and then it ended up going to Zayvon Collins. So I do foresee that it'll probably be Kaiser White calling the defense, which makes sense because you're right. He he has that knowledge. He has that understanding with Nick Rollis, the defensive co- coordinator with Jonathan Gannon and understands this defense. Isaiah Simmons had the green dot for all of about the first three quarters of the season opener. And then they changed out the helmet in the fourth quarter. And it was Zayvon Collins the rest of the way. And by the way, he shared with Wolf during that interview that, remember, Zayvon Collins played quite a bit of edge down the stretch in December and January, some out of necessity because of injuries. But there were certain packages where he went to the edge as well in pass rushing situations. And he said he was still calling the defense from the edge and making adjustments like the offense would go empty, and that's a check. And so he's on the edge, and he's trying to bark it down the line, right, at everyone what the adjustment is. And there's certain code words. You, I think Lucy was one and whatever else. And because based on what the offense is doing and checking into, you have to respond accordingly. So, yeah, that was, that was a challenge. And so, look, which leads me to my other simple conclusion about what I think this – coaching staff will do this year and one big difference will be I think they will s- effectively simplify things for I a think, lot of players I think on both sides of the point. ball I I think that I, I definitely defensively I think and I think there's a, ch- a good chance offensively yes there I, was, I would agree with that I'm not sure who it was in fact it could have been Michael Bidwell on the Pash podcast made mention that there was a lot in Kyler's plate last year especially a lot and maybe that was because minus Rodney Hudson that he had to take care of a lot. And so I think there's going to be a concerted effort to try and reduce maybe all the decision-making by the quarterback of the defense and your franchise quarterback on offense, if you can effectively simplify that. Which leads me into the next one, center. I mean, if you're looking at the way the Cardinals are currently constructed, you can't tell me that you can't make a case to bring in a veteran corner, a veteran D-tackle, a veteran tight end. And then atop that power pole, do you not put center at this point? What are you thinking going into OTAs? We saw John Gaines, a rookie minicamp. I don't know. You guys were there. I was not. Was there any sort of team that you saw? Were you able to see who was playing centers? He yelled to Froholt still and John Gaines. Well, there... the thing was, was, and this is where voluntary comes in. Everybody wanted to talk about Hop and, and uh, Baker. But, again, it's voluntary. So not everybody comes every day. And the day we were out there – Yelled to Froholt, didn't happen to be there. Mm. So The Danish Army knife wasn't there. No. Dang. Neither okay. was James Conner, by the way. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It yeah. just, everybody wants to harp on. It's almost like you could have asked a question about the offensive line lineups at Monday's OTA practice of the head coach. <laughs> Dan, let's get into that. What was, <laughs> what was the question? Let's, let's do a dramatic reenactment. Darren will be Jonathan Gannon. You you be your play yourself in this dramatic reenactment. So at Monday's OTAs, when we were watching practice, um, there's a lot of versatility with the players that were out there, and really along most of the offensive line is a lot of these players have the ability and the experience of playing multiple positions on the line. 
So my question to Jonathan Gannon at the press conference was, how much of the decision behind where each player was practicing today stems from the fact that that is where you want to see them work or because your starting veteran was not here and you needed to fill a hole? Essentially is what I asked him. And then Jonathan Gannon said, and I quote, wow, Danny. That was an aggressive question. But he said it with a laugh and a smile, which oh, means no, there he was, was no having, laugh. In fact, the glare he, was, he had, no. I mean, that, that relationship he was, is done. He was having fun. I also think he was trying to stall on the question. I would agree. Because my thought was really just about three people. Josh Jones and the rookies, John Gaines and Paris Johnson Jr. So why didn't you just ask? Did ask that? Do. I don't. I don't know. He would have changed I mean, John, his answer anymore. John it was Gaines, a good answer. John but. Gaines sure at this point seems like he's taking a lot of the snaps when Froholt isn't. Um, Lucita Smith is out there taking snaps too, but like you said, are we going to be surprised if they sign a veteran center? I will not. No, I won't either. But. There was a sip of water in between, though. It was. There it went, was. Yeah, it was. I uh, think he was really trying to process yes. what his answer would be. It was be. wild, Danny. <laughs> that that was an aggressive question. I just wonder, and maybe we'll have to wait. I guess in, until minicamp, if assuming that everybody shows up, is if DJ Humphreys is able to go out there and practice, and he's out there as your left tackle, where are you going to put Josh Jones? And if Kelvin Beecham is out at minicamp and he's at right tackle, where are you going to put Paris Johnson? So, so that was kind of my question. If Froholt is up, you know, so just wondering of how much of the reason we're seeing, again, mostly Josh Jones, John Gaines, and Paris Johnson practice where they have been is because that's where they really want to start seeing if these players with depth and versatility can really shine, or is that just you'll likely be a backup for the starter at that position who isn't here? It, it is interesting to see how much they sort that out. I mean, Beach is another guy who hasn't been around. Um, now, he's put on social media lots of times his workouts. He's clearly working out. He just, you know, he's got a family and he'd rather spend mm-hmm. time around them. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I've actually seen him <laughs> coming. I don't know if it's to pick up mail or whatever. I've seen him twice now since voluntary work has started where he's like come up the ramp with one of his kids to pick something up here. So it's he's around. Um, Next but, time he comes up, ask him, uh, you know, what his appetite is for an interior O-line position. We want to know. All right, hit it, him up. It's going to be very interesting to see how all that sorts out. But until, until, like Danny said, until everybody's around, whether it's mandatory minicamp or even training camp, we might not get a good idea. And when it comes to positional flexibility, look, the Arizona Cardinals started 10 different offensive line combinations last year, Correct. I think the final number was 10. That seems low. Might have been Doesn't 11. Doesn't it? I don't know. Somebody somebody get in touch with uh, AI, otherwise known as Craig Grillo, for that stat. But the positional flexibility has been a necessity the last couple of years. So, so I get it. And, and there's definitely unknowns. Paris Johnson Jr. could be your starting right tackle, like I think he could be and should be. Calvin Beecham could be kicked inside and then could be a swing guy. Will Hernandez could be left or right guard. Yelda Froholt could be your starting center, could contend for one of the starting guard spots. Who knows? So there is a lot to be determined. I will say two things. Number one, DJ Humphreys was in studio with us when I did Wolf Show to start off this week, and he said he was very close to getting back surgery but did not, and he's happy he elected to rehab it because he says he's real close to 100% and feeling great. So that was good news. Because the sur- surgery would have been a lot more prolonged recovery process. And he said his weight is right where he wants it right now. He also he shared with us in a side note that he has to work to keep his weight up to 300 pounds. 
He looks like it. I actually, I've seen Hump enough times where I'm like, he he doesn't look. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but he doesn't look like a tackle right now, and and I mean that in a good way. He looks great, yeah. but he said he puts on. By the time you get to, he's around 300 right now. By the time you get to uh, week one, he'll be around 310. 312. He's definitely one of those guys that I think is going to slim down when his playing career is over. And he agreed with that. He yeah. he, he called himself more of a uh, power forward or wing player. You know what I mean? Uh, he said like his dad was a wide receiver. He said so. I don't like naturally have a big man's frame, even though I'm six five six six. So I have to work to keep this on. And he credited his chef. The other thing he said, DJ Humphreys, was about how much he looks forward to this rushing attack. And then we had Corey Clement in, and he said the same thing, that this is going to be much more of a straight-ahead power run game. And get ready, because the run game will be emphasized a lot more than it had with the previous regime. That makes sense to me. I feel like with the running backs in that room, it it does maybe not so much as a power back the way James Conner is, but similar styles of kind of rushing the ball down your throat and again if you're expecting Kyler Murray to miss however many games to start the season I would expect more of that rushing game and then when I mentioned uh, one of my initial takeaways from the Cardinals schedule is wow Cardinals O-line is going to be tested out of the gates the first four games and he cut me off he said yeah he said I actually wondered have we cheesed somebody off in the league office you know so that was (laughs) DJ Humber he's like man what is going on he said uh, it's a pretty formidable schedule to start the year if you're the offensive line so look Cardinals need to get this dialed in because whether you're going against that commander's front which is one of the deepest in the league got the Giants and Dexter Lawrence in week two and and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, their top pick from a year ago. And then, of course, you get Dallas, and they're stout in Micah Parsons. And then in week four, help me out, oh, the Niners, Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an absolute key coming out of camp in that regard. So what else stood out from OTAs? Anything else that uh, – how about any of the rookies? Does Michael Wilson continue to impress? I like what Michael Wilson – I like what he brings to the table. I'll be curious. I mean, again, so much of this is dependent on what happens with DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like, at this point, we can't rule out that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be part of this offense. And if he is, I just think that changes so many things. Um, If he's not, you know, what direction do you go with? What role does Rondale Moore have or Hollywood Brown in what they want to do? I mean, I think these are all fair questions because, again, the idea that we have a really good idea of what these coaches really think of all the holdover players is mm-hmm. just, I mean, I, we don't. No. We don't. So are you expecting, semi-expecting, some shocking cuts either before camp or by the end of camp? Who would be considered shocking? I mean, that's... Well, I mean, this has... the. Right? I mean, what, like tempted, a Calvin Beecham? I'm tempted to go hot take factory here. And? Colt McCoy. Like, would I be stunned if Colt McCoy got released? I would not, although I think he's got a, a decent amount of guaranteed money for this year. So I also think with the new league rule of three quarterbacks, yep. I don't know. I, I think... I think with where the roster is, it makes it a lot more difficult to have shocking cuts. But as true. I you, don't, said, you don't have a lot of depth. That is true. But as I said, when this all went down with the new coaching staff and the new GM, like you just you don't know. And usually there are people that get released. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't think they'd release him. 
now we might have more of those in terms of instead of release, we might have more of the wow, he's on the roster, but they're not playing him. You know, I, I, and I, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. I mean, Buda Baker is going to start, but like we're Danny and I were talking about it at, at the practice the other day. Like, who you don't know who's going to be out there at cornerback. You would you would make an assumption like Marco Wilson would be one of them, but do you really know no, that? No, you don't know no. that. Antonio Hamilton, you have no idea what sort of impression he he's making. Keytrol Clark, one NFL.com article, he was one of the day three picks who top ten day three picks that they expect to get significant playing time. Okay, he was impressive meeting the media. Refreshing to hear someone who was you know that just just to be that gratified with getting a degree and earning the degree in the educational process of being a student athlete and valuing the student end of it. So that was refreshing to, to see. And, and uh, you know, those rookie corners. I will say this. You know what Corey Clement said when I asked him, give me a name of a guy who's impressed you out there, either an unknown or maybe, you know, rookie or, I mean, a veteran who's winning the offseason. And he, you know what he said? That he, and this is his words, the TCU running back. And then I had to go, here we go, Danny, get your bingo card out. I'm like, TCU running back. Oh, the Paulie Pigskin, undrafted free agent rookie that we named in the power poll just a couple of weeks ago. We? Amari DiMercato is his name. Find him in it of American. They list him at uh, 5'9", 215. Amari DiMercato from TCU. And uh, hearing some good things, pretty good. Pretty, he was pretty, one of the good. 15 players you're going to keep an eye out for? <laughs> no. No, I think there were six a, a dozen. Of 10. I think it was. Paul, it was six of 10. Just give me 50%. I think it was five of 10. I it think. was supposed to be five, and then you yeah. said both tight ends. So anyway, Amari DiMarcato, <laughs> uh, according to Corey Clement, um, has, uh, has impressed so far on that one. Now, as for position groups other than center, that you think they a need to address or bolster. What do you think? Between now and training camp, come on, there's got to be a veteran or two that is signed. There's defensive line. Yeah, I would agree. I I would, it would be defensive line or cornerback, but I think I would go with defensive line as well. Which is funny because they've already signed a handful of veteran defensive linemen. Now are they high profile? No. Are they going to still sign a high profile defensive end? I don't know about that, but I mean. Collier's a veteran. Watkins is a veteran. Uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody else. I mean, I'll just run this out. This is numerically. This is only in order from from low to high. Rashard Lawrence, L.J. Collier, Kevin Strong, Jonathan Ledbetter, Carlos Watkins, Lecky Fotu, Eric Banks. And then, of course, you got Cam Thomas. You want to stick him down as a five technique here and there. But you have bodies. You have names. But there's a lot of unproven guys. There are former high draft picks who have flamed out in their first run with their first team. So, yeah, I mean, and I agree, corner you would think needs to be addressed. But if you're going to use a similar role for Isaiah Simmons, he got his most snaps last year at slot corner. So if he's your slot corner and you go with a Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton is your outside corners, and then a couple of rookies maybe bolster that group on game day. Yeah, I would agree that defensive tackle is a likely position group where you're going to have a signing or two. I would also think that if you do have Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons as your safeties, and then you have Marco Wilson, maybe Antonio Hamilton, or a few other players, I, th- I think that secondary is strong enough to where that's why I would say I think I would 
prefer to have a veteran defensive lineman signed over a cornerback. I'd I'd also I'd also stress that I think at this point, given where this team is and where this roster is, I don't I don't see a whole lot of influx of a bunch of extra signings. Honestly, I mean I just don't. I mean if guys if somebody gets hurt maybe, but I I don't know if they're going to be out there bolster. I mean you're you're not looking for the uh, the old school time time sign to like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. If if it would be a veteran who's still on the street, maybe the first week of camp, and they get something very similar to what a Kelvin Beecham got. Mm-hmm. Between one and two million, you come in and you prove yourself. Maybe there's some incentives in terms of playing time or starts. And yeah, it's a nominal deal, but a veteran who's looking to prove themselves, not unlike what a James Conner did two years ago when he came in. That's true. Nominal money. Killed it, had a great year, and then signed on the line that is dotted for a nice two-year extension. So that would be my expectation as well. By the way, my final uh, contribution to Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. I'm thinking we debut something new around here. Mandatory Texans. A couple years ago, we had mandatory Strebler because the fans just love Chris Strebler. And I saw where Chris Strebler got arrested. Danny missed miss mandatory Strebler, I think. Strebler's still alive and well in Jets camp, and he got I a lot of reps. I hope he's alive, Jesus. Because I'm talking his football NFL career. Oh, okay. He's, he's not going back to the CFL where he was a god up there, and he won the Grey Cup, right? That's and true. he had the fur coat with no shirt on and the cowboy hat yes. at the victory parade. Uh, he was getting a lot of reps and attention because Aaron Rodgers strained his calf in the first open practice for the media, and he didn't actually have any reps. So uh, during stretching, somehow walking onto the field, Aaron Rodgers strained a calf. And so there were the backup quarterbacks for the Jets. But no, we're looking at mandatory Texans because when you own another team's first-round pick, thou shalt have the right to look over their block wall. Okay. And it turns out in the first OTAs that the media was allowed to watch, C.J. Stroud was working second team behind Davis Mills. Boom! There's your breaking news, just to let you know. Well, C.J. Stroud. Stroud does not have the neck to, to, to oh, compete with Davis geez, Mills. Jeez, Darren. Wow. He doesn't. Just saying. But Mike Lennon does. Mike Lennon does. I think Mike Lennon's out of the league now. Former Cardinal great. Yes. By the way, we're all about Davis Mills being the Texans quarterback. If you want to ease C.J. Stroud in, uh, do you realize that Davis Mills' record as Texans quarterback is 5 22 and 1. Do you think Davis Mills would give them a worse chance to win than CJ Stroud? That's a good one. I'll have to think about I that. I don't know about that. I'll have to think about that one. I mean, you're talking about CJ Stroud, broke Drew Brees' Big Ten record for touchdown throws over a two year span. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. He did. Okay. But, but yes, he, there's nothing like a rookie quarterback to bolster your draft pick. He also you had own. like some of the greatest receivers of all time yes, like playing on one college did. team. You're right. You're right. And, and and one of those receivers is already mocked to the Cardinals in That's 2024, Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Harrison Jr. <laughs> and that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific. Well, well, I did what, have one what? more. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to I, – I, I came across this the other day. I did okay. want to bring this up. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, Paul. I, I just had my anniversary the other day. Oh, congratulations. And I realized that my marriage is as old as Danny. <gasps> oh, That's not that long. Wow. <laughs> Feels long. <laughs> your friendship with Danny or, or your marriage? Which, which one? Might have declared. <laughs> All of the above. We'll leave that hanging. <laughs>